I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I hope everybody's paying attention today because today we have a guest calling in from Iowa and she's going to tell us a little story about finding spirituality the right way and escaping the Amish community and the Amish church. Welcome to the show, Rosa. How are you doing today? Thank you. I am doing well. I appreciate you having me on the show. Well, I just want to ask real quick, what was it like not having any power growing up? There were a lot of dark days, literally, because of, you know, when the sun came up, there was light. When the sun went down, there was darkness and we have gas lanterns to fill in. The main thing that I go to when I think of no power is bathrooms. You know, no running hot water, no phones, no electricity, all of that is out. The worst thing to me was, you know, having to go to the bathroom in the winter and it's freezing cold out and you have to go out and get your coat on, go out to the outhouse. And it's it's just plain cold going to the bathroom. So probably worse things, but that was those are some of the things that it comes to mind immediately when I go no power. Now when you left the Amish community in the Amish church. What age were you? I was, I just turned 19. 19 years old. And then that's when you start having a rationalization about spirituality and how what you're being told was one thing when you found the the American Bible compared to the, what, the German Bible. That was an eye opener to what spirituality was. It was a huge transition for me. And it was a lot of, a lot to digest because I was taught one thing And I would read the German Bible with very little comprehension. And then when I started reading English Bible, I could actually understand and comprehend what it was trying to, you know, what what it said. See that rules versus the Bible, how that all worked, you know, came together. That was terrifying to me, quite frankly, because I had been, I was so deeply rooted in following rules that I thought were based on scripture, on the Bible. So to find out that, you know, to have that question and to to be reading it for myself, that was a little bit terrifying for me. Tell us a little bit about that spiritual journey. And I was a strong believer in following the Amish rules 100% because I thought that was salvation. And so I was... Whatever the rules were, I would do them in order to not go to hell. Because I, at a young age, I was told if I didn't obey, didn't give to others what they wanted from me, God would put me in hell. And nothing was worth that to me. So I learned to give, give, give. And my dad told me, if you obey mom and dad and the rules, you won't go to hell. Even though that may not have been true, like maybe that it wasn't what he meant later in life, the foundation was set for me to follow the rules exclusively. And my husband and I, we started, we were dating. So we started talking and he was like, you know what? Some of these rules just, they're not really true, not true to what the Bible says. If you're, you know, looking at the Bible and trying to live according to what Christ said, some of these rules are just man-made rules. Mm -hmm. And I was like, really? So when I realized that and I started reading, I actually 
got a Bible that I could understand, like it was written in English, because our language is Pennsylvania Dutch, a first language. So then we would read a German Bible. So understanding what you're reading, like the comprehension was very low, actually, until I read an English Bible. And I was like, wait a minute. What is what does this mean that, you know, Christ wants us to change, not everybody to change according to man's rules, but according to what Christ said. I was like, how does this work? You know, I thought these rules were important. And I realized that, you know, a lot of Christ's teachings focuses on our spirit and what we give out to others versus, you know, maybe wearing a dress that is pink or green or dark blue or I mean yes I'm wearing a dark blue one today so maybe I'm still part of that right but the reality is I realized when I started reading my Bible that focus of what Christ was teaching was our spirit and what comes from our spirit and how we treat others versus you know are we wearing a head covering and how does that head covering look or are we using power tools outside or are we not or are we driving a vehicle or are we driving a horse and buggy so a lot of these comparisons started coming up when i was 18 and i started asking my parents these questions when i started asking those questions everybody just went a little bit haywire meaning they were scared i had never before questioned anything about the Amish church and their laws or the rules and everything. I was just always a very good follower of the rules. So when I started questioning, there was a very big red flag for them. Interesting. So the church runs the culture and there's no separation between church and state per se. And you, you had this realization and started asking questions within the Amish community and you realize that, hey, maybe this isn't right for me. I don't know if you want to touch on some of the things you experienced. You said from like age five to 14, what did that look like? They just want you to do certain things, certain rules, certain traditions. What was that like as a kid? And does everybody have that same experience? No, definitely not everybody has the same experience. I think it is fair to say everybody's experience is unique to their own you know, to their life, their choices, their rule, like their family. But for me, when I talk about abuse, that was for, at the hands of my brother. He sexually molested me. Part of that may have been just the secrecy that it never was talked about. Like, you know, what is okay and what is not okay? I don't ever remember my mom talking to me about what is sexual abuse? What is okay? What, you know, what is not okay when if your brother or anybody else for that matter. I just remember when it happened to me the first time. So at five, or was it six? I had this experience with my cousins that they, I had a doll that was mine and it was a unique doll, our community anyway. And I was super excited to share it, but I didn't want to share it. I wanted to show it, but I didn't want to share it. So when I didn't want to share it, I was told I was going to go to hell if I didn't share it and give it to someone else to use for this day of play. And so I realized that even if it was a misconception, it was a conception that was foundation was laid that if I don't give others what they want from me, I'm going to hell. Soon after that, it started out with he wanted to hold me and then he wanted to touch me. And I was like, I'm off, I'm gone. Even though on one hand, I remembered that I'm going to hell if I don't give it to him what he wants. 
On the other hand, it was so, I felt so defiled by what he wanted to do. I didn't care if I was mm-hmm. going to hell. It's like, if God's putting me in hell for this, then I'll go. But I'm not willingly going to accept what he would give to me. And so things just progressed from there. Like, you know, it started with touching and then it just went from all the way. There was nothing left undone by Mm -hmm. the time I was 14 at the hands of my brother. And slowly over the years, I realized I never told my mom and I never told my dad or anybody else that this was happening. As a seven-year-old, you just assume that mom knows everything, right? Mm -hmm. She knows everything else that you do that you shouldn't do. And so I just assumed she would have known, but she didn't. I never told her until I was 18. So that was the kind of abuse that I suffered and just the darkness, like just the fear of it on a daily basis of, am I going to be captured? You know, how can I escape my brother? How can I find a route or through the barn where he wasn't going to get me? How could I be in the house where, you know, there were others around where I wouldn't be alone with him? The more I became aware of where he was and how to get away from him, the craftier he became as well. Sometimes my escape routes worked and sometimes they didn't, you know, Mm -hmm. back to the point where he, even if I was with my family, he would signal me out. Hey, I need your help. And I was like, oh, I'm going to bring somebody else with me. And he's like, oh, no, no, you're coming by yourself. Nobody else is coming with you. Things like that. And so I learned to rely on no one except myself. I wasn't safe and I was with my family or and I wasn't safe when I wasn't with my family. Accidentally through that when I was about 12, I remember learning, like kind of accidentally finding prayer. I mean, that was something we did in our home every day as a family, but I didn't realize the power of prayer. And even then, like I would pray and I would ask God for help to spare me another episode with my brother. And there was peace that I would feel. I didn't feel so alone. So desperately scared, but I didn't recognize it. I didn't acknowledge it, but it was Christ within, like it was the spirit being there with me until later, quite a bit later, actually. Well, you got, I think you have a lot of energy around you. I really do. For some reason, there's, there's definitely a lot of energy around you. And and what, how did your parents respond to this and how old, how old was the brother? So when I told my, my mom, I was 18, but my brother would have been 13 when he, I would have been like six. So he was six and a half ish years older than I was when things started happening. And he was old enough when he, you know, he was what, 20 when he got married and left home. And that's when the abuse stopped. He was old enough to know better at that time. That was something I had to to forgive him for was to realize that, yes, he did know better. But in all reality, if you ever read my book, I tried working with him. And when I last talked with him, he didn't recognize that what he did was wrong. He didn't comprehend that. So is there any repercussions that he may have for for this? Well, he, like now, he is, you know, a registered sex offender. And he has to be for life because, spoiler alert, (laughs) I did, I did report him. I -hmm. did, you know, press charges when I realized And that was something that was really, really hard for me to accept that I would actually report my own brother and press charges against him because I felt like I was the one in the wrong. If I would have been 
leading a good godly life. God wouldn't have allowed this to happen to me. Mm -hmm. Well, that was before I realized that everybody has a choice. Everybody. And God has given us that right to choose, whether it is to accept him or deny. He has given us that right to choose now. And that's why we see some of the evil that we see today, because God has given us the right to choose. And so for me to realize that, to come to this understanding that it wasn't because I was doing something wrong. It wasn't because God was punishing me that my brother was abusing me. It was simply because he had chosen to feed his flesh 100%, you know, and I was one of his victims until I was willing to say no more. I will never, ever be a victim for you again and for anybody else for that matter. I'm willing to walk away. I'm willing to stay and fight if I need to, but I'm also willing to walk away if that's the only way that peace can be restored to my soul. Now, do you think this kind of behavior is perpetuated within that community? Because I think sometimes if when you think when you reverse engineer that and you think about all the rules and how you're supposed to live by the church and the church is supposed to be this good entity, but they're making you follow these rules that you have to think about on a daily basis. It basically separates you from spirit because you're not thinking about yourself. So do you think, and they say sometimes this is passed through lineage after lineage because of the perpetuation of not understanding self. I mean, do you think this is a recurring uh, situation within that community? 100%. I do think so. I think it happens a lot more than what anybody would want to acknowledge that it does happen, not only in that community, but in all Amish communities. And I am careful to say that because I don't think it's just Amish. I think, you know, from what I've seen and experienced, there is so much abuse happening in not just Amish culture, Amish religion, but in religion in general. And so I, I strongly stand behind my statement that evil hides in plain sight behind mm -hmm. God's name. You mm -hmm. know, they throw out God's name in God. We are living in God, right? No, it's for God. So they can hide their evil, what they're doing behind that facade that they are putting up. Yeah, it's, it's protection. It's a, you know, it's a protection mechanism. And I agree with you too. I mean, it happened in the Baptist church. Happened in the Methodist church. I mean, I think it happens in all churches. I mean, I mean, and I'll say this too, is like, I've, I've probably met the worst people in the church, you know, and, and it's, it's crazy that people will double down on defending the church. But I think you got to understand what church, first of all, you got to understand what church it is and understand what's their message and who's involved with the church and so forth. But even growing up in a Baptist church, I mean, I had, you know, I had family that were pastors and so forth. And, and some of them were just odd, weird. And it gave them a place to hide, you know, because I think, you know, I think there's a certain personality that can't help their actions because of what they're made of. And, and maybe that becomes a haven that, that they go to because they're able to get away with more. You know, I think that's a good a good way of explaining it because people in power, it seems like, unfortunately, oftentimes when they come into power, it goes to the head. You know, and it's no longer to glorify God if the position should have been to glorify God, if they were part of the 
the minister or the, you know, like you said, uh, my brother, he was part of like of the minister. Like he was, he was on the, the minister bench. He got elected into that. And when he went to jail, he was part of, he was one of them who was helping to establish the rules and making sure the rules are enforced. And did the church believe it? No, I'm the one that's in the wrong. He really? like, oh yeah, he, what he did, you know, it wasn't okay. Hey, but at least he's still Amish. He's still being true to the church. So that trumps everything. Yeah. I mean, what's the rationale behind that? Right. What is it? Um, yeah. You know, for me, it is not understanding that God is the judge and what he has said is evil is evil. Whether or not we are doing, you know, whether or not our life on a day to day basis looks Amish or looks whatever other religion you are practicing. If it is in accordance to those rules, I think oftentimes what I see happening over and over is as long as you are still going, participating in the church activities, you're still an active member of the church, it's so much easier just to forgive everything else. If you walk away from the church, personal offense happens. It's no longer forgivable. Mm -hmm. It's it's beyond forgiveness. Well, Christ has told us, has shown us over and over and over that he came for the sinners. And I know that he came for me. I, I'm a sinner too, even though I, I want to live for A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We keep a lot of emotions bundled up inside in life, and sometimes we got to talk to people. I witnessed the benefits with my own two eyes. I have a close friend that was struggling with depression and felt like she had no one she could consistently talk to because of her busy schedule. She was matched with a therapist through BetterHelp. After several months of sessions, I've seen a tremendous change in her personality and in her life. If you're needing therapy and, and want to get some of those things off your chest, it's entirely online and designed to conveniently work around your schedule and empower you to be the best version of yourself. Just fill out a questionnaire and they will align you with the right therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com unimpressed today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash unimpressed. Him. I'm reminded on a daily basis that if I don't submit to what he has said me, I still fail. So to understand that, that what he has taught 
is and will be. Whether, you know, we hear the truth hurts, right? All the time, the truth hurts. Well, why is that? Jesus said the truth will set us free. He is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life, and truth will set us free. So why do we say truth hurts? Is it because our sin is revealed and now we get to choose what we're going to do? Are we going to acknowledge our sin and, be, and ask forgiveness and repent? Or are we going to, do we want to keep that hidden? So when it's, when light is shown onto that, it hurts. The truth hurts because nobody wants to hear the truth. But Christ said it would <laughs> set us free, right? So why is it that it hurts? Exactly. It, you know, is it because we want to keep that hidden versus bringing it out into the light and allowing that to be because oftentimes it's it's revealing to us what we need to do for change and it's mm -hmm. not just about others and the wrong of others but it, it's bringing it back home to self thyself well i mean that should be a big lesson for everybody because when you think about things that were structured for control they didn't think about humanity when they put controlling symbolism in place and whatever it is, whether it's religion, whether it's government, whatever it is. And when, when those entities feel like they're losing control, they create more rules. So the more rules that they continue to create that's perpetuated over time, it, it less, it leaves less room to discover, you know, human beings to discover themselves, which in return, you don't find yourself and all you're doing is giving away yourself. So in an instance of feeling, wanting to feel something good, if you're in a controlled situation and you want to feel something good, someone could you know, easily turn to something that's not right just to have a good feeling because they don't know themselves. Yes, for sure. And they don't realize, you know, that they get to, they get to choose. It's, it's up to them to choose. They've just been so busy, maybe following the rules that have been set for them. Whether, like you said, whether it was church, whether it was government, whether it's society around them to take the time to just step back and say, okay, I get to choose. And what do I want? What brings me, you know, like you said, a good feeling? What brings me, I always fall back, what brings me peace? That's what I look for. That's what I want. But I'm hoping like the whole purpose of my sh me sharing my story is to bring glory back to God, what God did for me through that situation. And to remind people that we do have a choice that we don't have to allow others to dictate us, to control our mind. And I think that's where Christ wants to come in. He wants to control our spirituality, our mind. If you think about it, everything runs off of our mind, oh, right? Yeah. Well, I have this thing that, um, yeah, no, like I said, I, I, have, I have Native American on both sides of my family and have some quantum physics. And, you know, science stops at non-conscious, you know, and I think we we're just talking about this other, I was talking to the, about this the other day to someone is when you understand non-conscious, those are attributes that are innate within you without the emotion. So if you had uh, certain attributes, you could determine what that person would do. So then you had, you had free will to that. And if you're creating a society of control, right? Control, control, control. And you have free will. You're kind of, and we perpetuate darkness in society. You're kind of per only perpetuating more darkness because you're not giving someone free, the right free will to understand what's going on. And I came to this thing of creation of four. 
Uh, I don't know where this came in, came from. I only, and I developed this process, how to find your perfect audience, how to eliminate unconscious bias with content. But the more I dove into that, I realized that this process I came up with, I said, if I said, for some reason, th this process could be linear to everything and everybody. And when you think about creation of four and then how, how the creation of four is tied to our pineal gland in our head. Our pineal gland is the data center for God. And the pineal gland is not spoken about in our medical system that much. It's calcified by the fluoride that's in the water and whatever products we use of fluoride, it calcifies your pineal gland. So you need to, you need to cleanse your pineal gland to have full sensory. So if you have all these things internally and externally separating you from spirit, you lose the process of spirit. Yeah. So, so when you say it's in our heads, it it physically is, and and the I'll go the create I'll talk about the creation of four all the time, but and I've talked to different people, scientists all over the world, and I realize scientists stay in one lane. They don't try to use their attributes with another type of science to figure out the parts. Like the periodic table is the most mundane thing in school. It has no education. It just identifies properties that don't relate to anything. Instead of putting those properties in a structure on how they help each other, that sums up science. But when you talk about a creation of four and how it's tied to the body, you look at the planetary system. The, the universe is in four parts. They say God had created the universe in four powers, with four powers. And then you look at the planetary system. There's four terrestrial planets, there's four gas planets, and the gas planets were supposed to represent around the sensibilities of, of a human body. And then the moving parts were the sun, the moon, and Pluto. So if you look at the sun as your root chakra, and you go up Mercury, Venus, Earth is your heart chakra, Mars is throat chakra, your third eye is the moon, and your uh, Pluto is the crown chakra because it's on the edge of the universe. So then you go to Earth, Earth is four parts, you're made of four humors, the earth is in four directions. There's four gases. Uh, there's four bloodlines and on and on and on. And this is very a linear thing. But And then you look at the third, the eye, the Egyptian eye, there's a slant in, on that symbol of the Egyptian eye, the slant. That slant in that eye represents the pineal gland. That slant on a flat surface is a one-fourth slant. And that bone in our head is a one-fourth slant around by our pineal gland. So that speaks to creation of four, right? All the way tied to the human body, the data center of God. So, I, you know, I talk about this stuff. Sometimes people look at me like I have three heads. But if you rationalize that, all this information is in front of us. I don't know what people are looking at and why people can't understand that if they're so religious and they're so tight with God. We don't need a building or church or, or whatever to represent a symbol that controls our lives. I think that's the key religious versus a spiritual relationship with Christ. Because you see so many religions and they get wrapped up with their rules, their regulations, what is acceptable to them. And I think that's what separates us from Christ, from that spirituality, as you were saying, because our focus is no longer on Christ and his teachings alone, but on being accepted into the religious group that we want to be a part of. And so I feel like that is why, and that's what I've seen anyway, with just observing and stepping back is that the focus shifts. 
Christ being the center and following his teachings to the leaders of the church, the mm-hmm. lead, like the elders or whatever, whatever they are called. You know, it's kind of like a friend told me one time, she said, you know, if you sign up to be part of this club, you find out what the rules are and you abide by them, right? Because you want to be part of a club. And she's like, that's kind of how I see being a part of this church that she was a part of. She's like, you know, I signed up and I want to be a part of it. So I'm going to follow the rules. I'm going to follow what the group has is, is acceptable with the group. That was her right to choose, right? I feel like it was a very good description of who are we wanting to follow. So if we want to follow a group, a religious group, we find out what it is required of us to do that. If we want to follow Christ, doesn't shouldn't the same rule apply? We find out what he requires. We find out what his teachings are and we abide by those rules. Then directly connects us back to God through the Holy Spirit. And so that is my interpretation from the two is that religion and spirituality don't really don't necessarily mean they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, that's where the separation can happen. And we go, how, how can this be that, like you said, that you don't see this connection if you are such a religious person mm-hmm. maybe they have let go of their spiritual connection and maybe they've connected too strongly to religion versus spiritual if that mm-hmm. makes sense well yeah i mean yeah it definitely definitely makes sense and and how naive or pompous whatever you want to call it for churches that have an organized religion to think their religion is more important than someone else's religion if there's only one God. Because I look at religion, I've always said, if religion was one thing, one line, people basically took parts. They took pieces, 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 and then adapted a philosophy or adapted a way of life and made it their own. And then they had the best religion in the world. How stupid are people at the end of the day? That's how ignorant we are. You know, God's wisdom is foolishness to man, right? He speaks of that. But our knowledge doesn't mean that we have wisdom. And I feel like, you know, oftentimes we get wrapped up in just, oh, I want to be, you know, I want to learn this. I want to learn this. I want to learn the philosophy of this. And we talk ourselves right out of what God, you know, taught us, what God Mm -hmm. wants to show us because we are smarter than that. Yeah. I think as mankind, we think we're smarter than that. Yet God's, he chose the foolishness to, you know, for, for what is good in his kingdom. It's not, it's not the wise and the learned and the well-educated. It's the ones who trust him that he can work with us. Well, it's, it's, well, it's funny you say educated because, I mean, I think this happens in a lot of different things. Like example for me was in Reiki, you know, because when I, I got my Reiki practitioner's license very, very quick because I was I have energy and I'm a natural healer, but I have energy coming out of my hands and I was able to do this like naturally. But when I started understanding how the rules and regulations were written for Reiki, it leaves the door open for someone that can follow the rules, get in, but may, may not really have anything that's beneficial to what they're selling right? Because of the way the rules are written. So I think depending on how the rules are written, instead of looking at it like a natural thing, because we want to define everything, we want to classify everything. We think we have to classify everything and and put everything in a box. I don't think me and you are the only two people on the face of the planet have this thought process. I just think we have to speak up more. And like you said, tell people the truth. This is the truth. This is the reality here. As much as you may not like it, this is the reality. How, How long have you been out of the office? 
Amish lifestyle or Amish culture, or Amish church? Almost 18 years. 18 years. Looking back now, I mean, what's your, with the book and so forth, what is your goal with, with my path to light? So my goal with sharing my story is, like I said, to bring glory back to God, to praise him and what he did for me through my experience, to encourage another person. Because when I first left the homage, I was told, you should write a story. And I was like, no, you don't know my story. You don't know all the skeletons that I have that need to stay hidden. Because I was so in the fear and the darkness. But about four years ago, it was just very, very strongly laid on my heart that I have a story of, of encouragement. If I would share it, it might be able to help someone else, encourage someone else that they don't have to stay a victim. They don't like it's their choice to choose. And I say there's only two masters who we're going to serve Christ or the devil and everything else stems from those two. Like, you know, you might have all of this over here or over here, but what's the root cause? Is it Christ or the devil that's driving? And so for me, I want to encourage people. It's your choice to choose. If you want to be a victim for the rest of your life, you can't. Sometimes that's easier because it's what we understand. It's not standing against maybe family members. It's not walking away from those family vacations or the times where you get together and you're just part of the family, whatever. But if you're willing to stand, it may look impossible. It may look like it's not possible to, to get out of the situation. But if you choose Christ as your leader, he makes the impossible possible. And the things that you weren't possible before, somehow it happens. It's because of you being willing to step us like out of yourself away from the fear and trust that Christ will lead you into something better, even though it looks terrifying because we don't understand it. We don't know maybe what the next step is. So I want to encourage people choose. No, it's your choice. Don't be a victim forever. Realize if you choose to be a victim forever, you choose that. If you choose not to be a victim, there is literally one way to get out of it. There's many, many things you can do naturally to help with lifestyle and to improve, you know, your mental stability and all of this. But to have true peace, that only comes through Christ and mm -hmm. him alone. And so if you want that, then accept, accept his help. He's already given us a gift. He lived. He died on the cross for us. He was risen again to take up our sin. And that's a gift that he's offered for all of us. And I just want to encourage everybody, like, you don't have to choose the choice I did. You don't have to do what I did. But I can promise you this. There is peace when you choose Christ. Mm -hmm. There is that. And so that's. That's the whole point of my story, of my, me sharing my story is that I want to be that encourager to everybody. I want to step in when I hear somebody who's struggling. I want to help them. I want to encourage them. I don't want to tell them what to do. I just want to let them know that if you're feeling pain, pain is real. And if you want peace, there's also a way to have peace again. But know that it is your right to choose whether you're going to move on or whether you're going to continue to stay where you are. So if we want to find the book, where do we can we find the book? Amazon is probably the best place to find it. Go on Amazon and just type in My Path to Light. It should pop up for you. You could also buy it off of Ballast Books. That's my, those are, they're my publisher. I mean, if you're in my area, I have books available anywhere, basically online. You can find it online in all the major, like if you go to Barnes and Nobles or anywhere like that, you can find it. Well, it's a very, very... Uh 
eye-opening, I'll say eye-opening story that I think people need to try to understand. I think this can relate to multiple cultures and, and multiple, multiple environments that we get caught up in because of a controlled system, whatever that is. We have pockets of control all over the world, and I think we've run out of... Uh, we run out of narrative. I think so too. I think it it spans across culture, across time, across just life in general. Like it really does. If you want to check out the book, the book is My Path to Light by Rosanna Miller. Check that out for the full story. And I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, this has been Rosa Miller, aka Rosanna Miller. And I'm John Edmonds Cosma, the CEO of Bain Productions. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.